As I read this gospel text last Sunday to begin to prepare for this weekend's sermon, I found myself getting very annoyed that our reading in the Missalette deliberately leaves out verses 2 through 7. These are critical verses, which is why I included them in the proclamation. So if you got a little lost or confused, my fault. Verse 1 states, On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him, what? Carefully. Critical word. Now, this was no ordinary meal. This was the Shabbat meal, the Sabbath meal, a time marked by the blessing of having family and friends to worship God, and then in one's home, a time of focused gratitude to God, and a time of blessed rest. The expression leading Pharisee, used only here in Luke's Gospel, makes it clear that this was an important, influential man who would have been regarded by his peers as the standard of Jewish observance of the law and thereby observance of the Sabbath. Jesus already had some nasty encounters with the Pharisees that this Sabbath meal was stressful for all is abundantly clear with the statement that the guests were watching Jesus carefully. The Greek verb used for careful, pareterio, is used in Luke chapter 6, verse 7, chapter 20, verse 20, and the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 24. Careful is not the best translation. It really translates as hostile observation. Hostile observation. This Shabbat meal, this Sabbath meal, designed to be one of intense fellowship, intimacy of family and friends, unity, peace, rest, was going to be a battleground. The very essence of the Sabbath meal had been sabotaged by the attitudes, the mindset of the host and his guests. Why was, why is the Sabbath so important? We Christians have virtually ripped it of any meaning or any value, which is a shame because the Sabbath is still in force. Only to the Jewish people did God reveal the mystery, the beauty, the gift of the Sabbath. No other religion in pagan antiquity had any concept of a period of sanctified time each week dedicated to the worship of God and 24 hours of rest for man and livestock. This was, I argue still is, a radical concept. The Sabbath is God's gift to man, showing God's chesed, his loving kindness, 
his divine mercy toward man. Now, later rabbinical tradition would uphold this view in a collection of sayings contained in a work called the Talmud. For example, the Sabbath is a queen whose coming changes the humblest home into a palace. The Sabbath is scented with the perfume of paradise, and as it reaches the earth, sorrow and sighing flee away, and peace and joy reign supreme. Even the clothes one should wear for Sabbath, says the rabbis, should be different from everyday dress. Thy Sabbath garment should not be like thy weekday garment, says the Talmud. Now please understand, these are not pious sentiments. They are the natural conclusions derived from a fundamental truth. God established the Sabbath for humanity's benefit, for stability in family life for stability in community life and for one's personal growth in holiness. But this Sabbath meal had been deeply marred by a spirit of hostile observation of Jesus, who is Lord of the Sabbath. Well, then we learn there's a guest who's sitting right in front of Jesus, who had a condition called dropsy, which in today's terms was probably edema, a swelling from excessive buildup of fluid. Now, this man's presence in the home of the leading Pharisee is, well, interesting, because according to the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verses 2 through 59, a person with dropsy, this swelling, or a rash, or discoloration or disease of the skin had to be examined by the priests who would use a set of diagnostic criteria to determine if the man's condition made him clean or unclean. If unclean, he would be expelled from the community. Until such time, his condition changed and he was re-examined by the priests. Now, we know nothing of the severity of this man's disease. All we know is all that matters. He was suffering. And Jesus, the divine mercy, the Lord of the Sabbath, knew it. And so then Jesus asked a question. It was deliberately designed to bring out the hidden the sharp divisions. He asked, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath or not? The purists would have said, absolutely not. Medical treatment, a cure, is a work, and that cannot be done on Sabbath. You should do it after the Sabbath. But there would have been others at that meal who would have said, yes, because since the Sabbath is a sign of God's mercy to man, man must in turn extend mercy to his fellow man. Later rabbinical commentary 
reflects that understanding with sentiments like, break the Sabbath so that this sick may live to keep many Sabbaths, and danger to life takes precedence over the sanctity of the Sabbath. <coughs> it is better that the candle of a man be extinguished on the Sabbath rather than the candle of God, meaning the soul of the sick person. And how did the leading Pharisee and his guests respond to Jesus' question? Silence. Even by those who agreed that the cure should have been given on the Sabbath, they were silent. He was the Son of God, Lord of the Sabbath, who knows what the Sabbath is empowered to create in those who observe it, is met with a silence bred from shared hostility toward him. You know, hostility and anger can often blind us to the truth. Nevertheless, Jesus took the man and cured him. Why? As God Jesus would do precisely what the Sabbath is designed to do, to recreate man. In this case, by relieving the man of his suffering, his possible expulsion from the community, and allowing him to have a blessed rest. Now, what does any of this have to do with us? The Sabbath, as a divine gift, is still in force. We have gathered for the supreme Shabbat, Sabbath meal, the Eucharist. Jesus is as truly present and real here as he was at that Sabbath dinner. But are we like the leading Pharisee and his guests at that Sabbath? Do we make hostile observations of others? Perhaps a family member. Perhaps another parishioner. Perhaps a person's priest or deacon. Do we substitute the graces of the Sabbath rest with rancor and bitterness? How do we prepare for the Sabbath day? With a sense of tedious obligation or joyful hope? A sense of boredom, which by the way is always the fruit of our willful spiritual neglect. Or an openness to be surprised by the holy. Do our clothes reveal what we really think of Sabbath? Do we dress to meet our Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath? Or do we dress so that we can go out and mow the lawn, or take a hike, or crash on the couch? Do we allow the Sabbath to be a time of sanctified rest? A time for family and friends to cement bonds? Or are we 21st century moderns 
carried away with the obsessive compulsion to get more work done? Do we make the Sabbath meal at home something a little special? Or is just another opportunity to stuff our faces and fill our stomachs? Do we invite others to our Sabbath meal, especially those who have no one? There is an ancient rabbinical saying we can all learn something from. It goes like this. If it is written of God, who never tires, that he rested on the seventh day, how much the more shouldst thou, O man, rest on the Sabbath from thy weariness? Just as Jesus recreated that man suffering from dropsy, so Jesus desires to recreate us in the Sabbath rest by curing us of the afflictions we receive from this world. But do we let him? <laughs> 